Listener Production. Welcome to the Motorsport Brief. It's Thursday, the 14th of September, 2023. Couple of big events in our part of the world this weekend with the first of the supercars enduros, the Sandown 500, and the Singapore Grand Prix for Formula One. Round 15 of 22 for the F1 season. Hi everybody, Greg Rust with you for this edition of the Rusty's Garage Shortcast coming to you from Singapore. Shortly, a special guest who has been thrust into the limelight and has grabbed the opportunity with both hands, determined to show his potential and his talent. While we are talking F1, don't forget Louise Goodman is a recent addition to our feature or long-form library. The respected F1 pit reporter is actually here working for the weekend. Some great stories in that edition there. Uh, Being in an F1 two-seater when it crashed and working with Martin Brundle, Eddie Jordan, Eddie Irvine and much more. We have also just released an app with our partner Bendix Brakes to support the four-wheel driver and super ute racer Dave Casey. Now, He's a bit of a character. They call him Mudflap. Something different for you to enjoy there. He is a proud North Queenslander with a bit of inner drive that may surprise you. And it sounds like he has unfinished business in the stadium super trucks. For this edition of The Brief, I have headed to a hotel here in Singapore to catch up with Liam Lawson. Now, you may hear some lobby music in the background. We've got a couple of coffees to enjoy as well. He has done a superb job subbing for Daniel Ricciardo since Dan's unfortunate crash there in Zandvoort and the injury to his left hand. Liam will be back in the seat for this weekend's race with Alfatori. He has been in that F1 reserve driver role now for about 18 months. So freakish, unfortunate set of circumstances that have opened the door for now. And he has so far made quite an impression. Letting those know in the paddock here and those of us that are watching and enjoying Formula One as well, just what sort of a driver he is and his incredible commitment that he should really be on the grid full-time next year. Now, that opportunity for 2024 doesn't look like on paper as though it will materialise at the moment, but as you'll hear in the convo, he is leaving no stone unturned. Liam, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. uh, My wife has literally just messaged from New Zealand to say there was a story on the news there tonight that your mum and dad are on the way over. Is that true? They're coming to experience the race and to be here with you for this? Yeah, they are. Um, It's funny, this race uh, is a little bit special actually because um, when I was a kid, I, for some reason, Singapore was always my favourite race to do on the Formula 1 games. I always liked it a lot. I think because it was a night race, um, it just looked really, really cool. And my dad always promised me um, from when I was like seven years old, every year he was like, yep, one day we're going to, I'll take you to the Singapore Grand Prix. Um, and we never did. Um, but obviously I had the opportunity to, to bring to bring them to, to this race and to be actually racing in it. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. In the whirlwind of what you've experienced over the last few weeks, is this their first race to come and see you as an F1 driver? It is. They haven't, hadn't come to any Super Formula races yet. Um, so this is the first time they'll see me race this year um, and obviously the first time they'll see me drive in, in Formula 1. How <laughs> oh, cool. Tell me about... There's a great thing people can find um, from, I think, Alpha Tauri. They made a nice piece on YouTube and on social media of, of the kind of craziness that unfolded in, in Zandvoort. Stuff like um, 
you being in the Red Bull garage, unfortunately, when the crash happened for Dan, and then ultimately getting the the confirmation, the rubber stamp, while you were in the driver's briefing that you would be you would be racing. What the heck went through your mind? And you talk about it being this massive mountain to climb with very little time. It's basically what it was. Yeah, it's it's. Um we, we talked a bit about it before you you know normally you have when you're going to drive in formula one you have a bit of time to pre- prepare for it normally a couple of months at least um or a heads up at least so for us obviously in this reserve position um it's it's a great opportunity and and i you know i try to be ready for every single race because obviously there's always this possibility but it's so rare that it becomes almost it doesn't really seem like it ever is, is going to happen. And obviously there's never the, the circumstances that I want to join Formula One. I don't want to join because somebody gets injured. Um, and obviously in, in an ideal world, you get to prepare for the season. But um, when that opportunity comes, you have to, to take it. And um, for me, it, it came in, in Zandvoort. Um, so it was obviously, honestly, I went through probably two hours of, you know, a lot of anxiety, a lot of... Um, stress um and then it was just basically the settling in the the reality of you know basically i have to just i have to do this i have to make the most of it and and do it in the best way i can um and then there was just so much work that um anything else sort of just got put aside and it was just focused on on working and trying to be prepared for it which to be honest wasn't wasn't such a bad thing the way it panned out ultimately um knowing the last minute nature of it, knowing kind of the tough run that they've had with that car so far this year. I mean, it actually was pretty impressive debut, mate. Do you do you feel like that on, on balance? Uh, I know you would have loved points or something, okay, but... Yeah, I, th- I think that's... Uh, I think um, we're targeting points and um, I think it was a, a decent decent race, but um, yeah, you can always look back at it and and, and basically... Th- look at things you could have done better um in, in what way in what area well, i think for zandvoort we we had we lost like 30 seconds at the start with pit stops um we had a penalty because of the pit stop i got stacked as well um so we lost this massive chunk of time and at the time i didn't care i just wanted to get out and just do some laps i didn't care that we were we were um basically put down the back of the field but um i think just those things you know looking back in the ends we had the red flag and it helped us recover to to 13th and it's like oh wow if we hadn't had all that stuff happen maybe we could have been in the points and the same thing with monza um to be that close to points and and miss out but like i said you can always look back on on stuff that you could have done better can you see potential in this car is it is it getting better for sure i think um i think we are moving in the right direction especially now um i think in the future there's there's going to be more hopefully collaboration with um with red bull as much as we can and and um i think even in monza from where we were on friday um to where we were on saturday was um was a big step you know we actually weren't very confident on friday and then um made a big step overnight and it made a big difference. So if we can keep doing that, obviously Singapore is a very unique circuit, but um, yeah, I think there's there's definitely potential. And I think Yuki as well has been so. I mean, he's got he's got points this year, but he's also been so close to points so many times, the P11s all the time. So um, there's definitely potential. Yeah, Jordy Peters, who works for Motorsport New Zealand, reminded me that you and Yuki go back quite a ways mate with uh, the what was the Toyota racing series in New Zealand and so on has it been nice to re- I mean you probably kept in touch anyway but to, but to now be working as, as teammates it actually has because I think um, w- once you're an F1 you just get immersed in this world and 
um it's very hard to i mean have time or have any yeah really time to, to to do anything else like like you used to so growing up in formula we raced each other in formula three we did the twitter racing series um and we spent a lot of time together and obviously he went to formula one quite early um and then he moved away and i think you just yeah you get immersed in this world and that that's really your only focus um so yeah it's, it's quite cool to obviously now he's um effectively i guess team leader um and it's been great he's been helpful it's been good to learn off um of how he drives the car because at the moment obviously i just need all the help i can get <laughs> are you going about it differently to him or are you both kind of heading down a, a similar path i think we're both heading for points obviously which is the main target um but i guess a slightly different approach um for him he's been to all these tracks that we go to now um and for me it's it's still a lot a lot to learn really so i think you know the way we go into for example the way we set our run plans for practice um his is probably going to be more optimized on focusing on car setup whereas for me we've got to account for the fact that i have to learn you know uh, everything um at the same time so slightly different but by qualifying you know i'd like to i want to be in a position where i'm comfortable enough to be able to throw things on the car and and try and improve um and obviously fortunately with formula one you have quite a lot of practice time which is which is good that's what i need has Daniel, there's been some chat that, that Daniel's been kind of helpful with little bits of advice or whatever. Has there been a bit of, bit of contact while he's on the road to recovery? Not so much on the road to recovery. I think for him, he's just been focused on recovering and being very isolated to that, which, um, which obviously I completely understand. But before he had a surgery, when he was still in Zandvoort, um, he was very open to, to helping out, uh, to advice. Um, obviously, he's a, he's a great dude. Um, so never something you want to see but um he was definitely very supportive in the situation which i appreciated when you look back on it now the i mean in this part of the world there were two kinds of emotions in in the one sense aussies were thrilled that he got an opportunity to come back and then when i watched the news in new zealand everyone was gutted that you that you missed out um when he was given the the call up to replace nick like that how close did, did you come to that and how did you kind of feel when you when you learned the news at that stage um to be honest it was i mean it was at the time a little bit frustrating because obviously um you you were in the air at the time too i think you found out when you landed too didn't you it was the nature of the way i found out to be honest um i was flying to japan for a super formula race and the flight i happened to be on had absolutely no wi-fi so for 15 hours you know I, i took off and i think like two hours after i took off the announcement was made so i landed you know 11 hours later than that um and obviously when i turned my phone on i had 11 hours of notifications come through um and so it was a bit of a shock but um only for a little bit to be honest obviously it when it when you when it when i saw it you feel like maybe you're you're losing a shot at formula one but um when you actually think about the the way the decision was made um it was the right call for someone at, at the, the way Alpha is at the moment, or especially at the time, um, they, you know, I guess need somebody with, with a bit of experience. I would have been coming in learning a, a huge amount. And I didn't really, at the time, have a leg to stand on to say that I could come in and deliver straight away. Um, I, you know, there's no evidence that I, that I could have done that. So at the time, uh, the way the decision was made, I completely understood. Um, but obviously now I have this opportunity and I'm trying to, to use it. You are grabbing it with both hands, which I reckon is awesome. So you grew up 
loving the Singapore track in a in a game sense. Now you're about to do it for real. Typically, it runs the full two hours. It's hot. It's humid. It's grueling. What have you done prep wise for this? Yeah, it's it's going to be a tough one. Um, the biggest thing is whenever you step into a new car, especially a Formula One car, um, when you're not completely comfortable the way you naturally drive is a little bit more tense and you just end up using more more energy than, than what you should I guess if you can imagine how Max drives you know somebody who's been in that car for a long time he's super super comfortable um, he's completely free when he when he drives whereas for me um, I'm probably having to think about quite a lot more than, than I that I'd ideally like to be uh, and you end up driving a bit more tense so the races Monza was pretty physical and I'm obviously expecting this place to be so um Mainly the heat. We did a lot of heat training last week, especially. Um, what does that entail? So my trainer has a gym, and then he's got like a little clinic room next to the gym, which he can heat up. So basically, um, heat chamber stuff, basically high-intensity work in, in really hot, humid um, conditions. Basically getting used to being extremely uncomfortable. So wearing lots of clothing, um, sweating out. Obviously, you, you, all you want to do is take off clothes when, when you like that. But um, just basically, yeah trying to be as uncomfortable as possible um so that's that side of it's been um it's been cool to do but obviously just pretty hard um but it's going to be needed this place is going to be extremely physical we'll take a quick break you are listening to the motorsport brief here with liam lawson on rusty's garage we're back, coming to you from Singapore for this special edition of the Rusty's Garage Shortcast with AlphaTauri's Liam Lawson. Working with the engineering team there at AlphaTauri, what, what um, are you expecting of the car here relative to some of the other venues that we've been to, be it you know Zandvoort, Monza, whatever, this very different street track, obviously. Do you think uh, the car might be be pretty reasonable well i mean we do obviously simulate to work for each race and the simulator work we did was was pretty positive but it's it's super hard to sell you in formula one whenever you're moving forward everybody else is moving forward as well everyone's developing and and even if you come to a race um with with an upgrade or with potential um you know other teams are also making that step forward so that's what's really tough about the situation um but i think the, f- the first thing is for me is to, to get my head around the track um, and then uh, you know if I'm comfortable enough then we'll see um, what what sort of speed we have but um, I'm hoping so obviously I'm hoping to be to be close to the points the general media might sort of say what's he been doing this year what's this Japanese super formula thing but ironically they're they're a faster kind of more powerful machine there are benefits to you actually going off and doing this even though some might have expected you to perhaps stay in the the tiered structure of of you know you know f2 beneath formula one it's been so good to do has it yeah this year for to do super formula this year has been it's it's honestly been exactly for, for for the situation i've just been throwing in it's been exactly what i needed to do um and had i done another season of formula two there's no way i would have been this this feeling that obviously you can only feel so ready for a situation like this but I wouldn't be this ready um, for sure I think right now there's, there's a big step from F2 to F1 and um, the Super Formula for me has really bridged that gap um, as you say the car's a lot faster so um, it's it's closer to Formula 1 than it is to Formula 2 especially when it comes to the, the setup of the car and how important it is the regulations are more open so the teams are actually developing the cars within within regulations obviously but they're developing and and um definitely 
for, for us as drivers to be a part of that and to learn exactly what they're doing, especially with the aero side. I mean, Formula One is so much about aerodynamics. Um, to, to really learn about that has been really, really good. Um, a lot more you can change with setup on the go as well. So, um, yeah, mechanically, it's just been really good for me to learn that uh, and, and it's helped give me a lot more of an understanding of, of Formula One as well. Uh, the only thing you don't get and the only thing that's really hard to prepare for on that side is the the battery system, having the MGUK, having the um, hybrid system in the car. That's something that you don't experience in, in anything else um, unless you go endurance racing. So that's the only thing that's, yeah, really you have to, to learn when you go to Formula One. Sport goes from here to Japan, to Suzuka. Be nice to think you would get the opportunity potentially to go there. I, I don't know if that's been um, okay yet or where that is all at. Daniel was talking at one point about perhaps targeting a return at, at Doha, which means that you could potentially drive the AlphaTauri at, at Suzuka. Given the miles you've had there this year, that would hopefully be a nice thing if it came to pass. It would be great, obviously, but um, it completely depends on, on the situation. Right now I'm preparing for for all the future events coming up um, so that whatever happens basically I'm ready for it but um, obviously those the call will be made close to the time because they're going to try and give Daniel as long as possible so um, yeah I, I at this stage have absolutely no idea but it would be it would be nice to do um, obviously knowing the track um, we race there in Super Formula in, in a couple of months time as well or in a month a month's time so um, a little bit of extra preparation um, <laughs> yeah it would be cool to do have you had a pause moment where you've actually been able to sit and take this in? I mean, it was so crazy rushed at Zandvoort, you know, in the car. You had to to do the job, practice qualifying and, and, and then the race. Have you had a little moment to go, hang on a minute, here's this kid from New Zealand who not all that long ago was racing in the Toyota Racing Series and then headed off to take on the world. Have you paused to realise that you're racing in Formula 1? Maybe super briefly. Like I have a little bit, but um, it's been super, super brief. Just because, um, just because I know the nature with the nature of the situation. That, as we said before, you know, you, you normally go into a season of Formula One, you have a season to prove yourself, or at least half a season, let's say. Um, and in this situation, I know now that this is really the only thing that matters. This is what I'll be judged on, um, and I don't have long, so I need to make the most of it. So I think when it's done, whenever I have to step aside um, then I'll look back on it probably and, and appreciate how how incredible it is but right now I don't have time I just got to try and focus on basically getting through it I want to basically be able to look back on it and, and know that there's nothing more I could have done I'd hate to, to get to the end of it and basically go I wish I'd spent more time doing this or something like that You won't use these words so I'm going to use them for you I, I reckon you've impressed in, in a lot of ways hopefully enough that it that it makes the consideration for 24 or, or a, an opening um, uh, easier easier for you. you. You talk in the video about sitting down with Dr. Marco before all this even happened, before Daniel even crashed and kind of pleading your case with him about why you, you want to be and should be in, in Formula One. Um, I don't know what you can, can tell us, but has that, has that helped ongoing conversations uh, or is that something you'll talk about later once they've sat back and, and looked at this period? I think it's something we'll talk about later. Obviously, we, we speak about the current situation, but um, because of the way that we, there's so much to go through now and to to, um, to focus on, I think all that future stuff will be talked about after after the stint that I have is is, is over. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know how important that conversation was to, to the decision that was made, but it was um, obviously pretty ironic that it happened on the morning 
of of that day. Um, so, yeah, it's, I guess we'll just wait and see what happens. Invariably, a game like this is about acceptance as well from your peers. Have you had kind of little moments where uh, Fernando Alonso or someone has, has come up and, and respected what you've done so far? Yes, for sure. Um, I think the, the everyone's been pretty pretty good about, um, I guess, supporting and, and uh, I guess welcoming me into to Formula One for now, um, which is which has been really really cool. Um, so, but obviously, um, at, you know, at the same time, these these guys who maybe when I was younger used to be heroes um, or who I used to look up to now I'd, I want to I want to be racing these guys and, and beating them so. Um, yeah, I'm not too bothered about how they feel about me coming in. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, it really doesn't, uh, I guess in, in some respects, maybe you don't set a, a clear target for this, but what's the one thing, knowing how unsure we are, how long this will be, that you would like to ensure that you tick in the whole bid to show that you should be there on the on the grid? Is it points? Is it- I think I think it's, it's probably points, um, scoring points. Is is the, is definitely the target, um, but if it's not that, it's just basically, yeah, like I said, doing everything I could have done, um, maximizing this this opportunity, and and looking back and knowing that I couldn't have done anything else. I think that's really the the target. So if that's points, that's great. But if it's not, it's whatever that will be. Have you had what's the reaction been like to all of this between media at home and all that sort of suddenly the the thing went from two thousand RPM to seven and a half or something, did it? Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> it was absolutely crazy. Um and it's been amazing. The sport's been so, so cool. Um I literally haven't been able to get back to everybody. Um, which is really, really cool and, and um it's it's obviously you know, I haven't made it yet, but obviously it's a big step. Um, and it's something a lot of people have followed this journey for a long time. So um, it's pretty cool to to have this opportunity. And, and um, yeah, I just apologize to people I haven't got back to yet. <laughs> I, um, I will uh, yeah, be doing what I can over the next couple of weeks to, to try and catch up. Well, I'm sure they understand. Soak this moment up. Enjoy it with your folks while they're here this weekend. And something that dawned on me today... You're heading into this at the Singapore Grand Prix. At the very same time, Matt Payne is heading into the Sandown 500 with a with a very good team in supercars. Not bad for two young blokes that used to make car noises playing in sand dunes on the beach as little tackers, hey? It's funny you say that because we, we, I, I called him a week ago maybe or two weeks ago, about probably a week ago after Zambort and uh, or just after Monza. And it's something we talked about. Obviously, he was, I, you know, he's really the reason I got into go-karting um, we were together in preschool um, and we used to, uh, there was only two trikes that were like, looked like little race car things. So we would take these every single day um, and race each other. And then we went to, to primary school together. He started go-karts. I went and watched him and, and then we grew up racing carts together and going to school together and basically both having this, this dream. Um, so obviously he's, he's doing extremely well. And, and um, as I said, I think, when this is all done, something I'll look back more on, but um, it definitely is cool to, for both of us to be in this in this situation. Um, yeah, that's, that's very cool. Awesome. Look where that has led. Enjoy the weekend, and, and hopefully there's more opportunities to, to steer some more Formula One cars and hopefully something more permanent beyond this too, mate. Well done. Thank you very much, hopefully. Now, just moments after we recorded with Liam, the team revealed that Daniel Ricciardo will be here in Singapore. He's not currently scheduled to do 
any media over the weekend, but he will assist in an engineering capacity while he recovers uh, from that broken left hand and the recent surgery on it. There has been some changes to the track here ahead of the night race as well. Construction work in the final sector means that a few of the 90-degree corners in that part of the track that kind of weave under a grandstand have been altered. Now, good story on this on motorsport.com from Adam Cooper, very respected journalist, detailing how it should make for a faster lap time around here and reduce the demand on brakes, for example, and help optimal uh, tyre performance over a full lap. IndyCar season wrapped up at the weekend at the awesome Laguna Seca or WeatherTech Raceway there in California. Scott Dixon won, cementing second in the title race. Scott McLaughlin finished the final race in second and claimed third for the year. Will Power was fourth there at Laguna. Congrats from all of us too to Hunter McElray, who took to X or Twitter or whatever it's called now after pole and a race win for Andretti there at Laguna. He said he's not sure what's next, but he is pushing for IndyCar, and we hope that happens for next season, at least a few races anyway. The sequence of awkward photos of people moving teams in supercars continues. Can't believe that PR types haven't been a little more creative in this area, had a bit of fun with it. Now, that's easy said, I know, because trying to do that with current contracts and sponsors... Uh, is not easy. The latest is Nick Perkat, who has signed with Matt Stone. Great news for both of them for 2024. They did it out the front of the Gold Coast pit lane, which is under construction. Now, we missed something in a recent edition of the Motorsport Brief here as well, so we want to correct that on Rusty's Garage. Coral Taylor, legendary co-driver, who is in our library. Victory with Harry Bates in the Gippsland Rally makes her, or makes that, the 36th win for Coral in the Australian Rally Championship. And that tally moves her ahead of the late Possum Bourne as the most successful ARC competitor ever. The GOAT. We love it. We'll call her that too. That is it for this edition of The Brief. Keep an eye on your feed. We may have a little special bonus episode for you in the next 24 hours here from Singapore. And I know, if that comes off, that you will enjoy it. I'm Greg Rust. We'll catch you tomorrow, everyone. Bye for now.